I'm afraid of clowns. I'm afraid of small towns. Oh, wow, you caught me singing. I'm Kip, the host of Come and Ride With Me. And with me is Steph. Hey, Steph, what's up? Hey, Kip. Um, I was enjoying your song very much, and I really wanted to see where it went. So okay. let's oh. think on that a minute. I'm afraid of clowns. I'm afraid of small towns. In the caves, I hear the echo in the in the wafer. I'm the necko. When the meow. Brown. It's the cat. It's the cat. <laughs> when you hear the echo, that means Hibiki. Welcome to Cobble Ride with Me. Oh, good. I think that should be our new theme song. <laughs> <laughs> I actually like in the wafer. I'm the necko. Meow. That's pretty good. That is. It's. I might save that. And I already am envisioning the album art for it. I'm ready for it. The world needs this. Common, yeah, with me, little, <laughs> oh, yeah, like that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's little cat people over here. Hmm. <laughs> little chobits or whatever those were. Were chobits cats? Mm. Did you ever watch that anime? I don't know. If I think that I have. Anyone knows what I'm talking about? I've heard that word before. So it was like one of those animes that I think was like popular when anime was getting popular, and it's weird. It's like robots that are okay looking at chobits now i don't like what i'm seeing no they're like robot cat teenagers that you can buy oh Oh, now i have to look this up yeah it's not good it is explicitly not good okay yeah (laughs) you know what the last time i did this when we did the Valentine's Day episode, I told you about how after that, my Steam suggestions went to hell because they thought I was into a very specific type of gaming thanks to my search history. So I have tried to be much more careful when pulling things up for research, I swear, and (laughs) what can be tracked and what can't. I'm big on pulling up the private browser just for, like, stuff like, um... There's something about, like, um... Oh, did Shawn Michaels actually like, like do like a photo shoot for like Playgirl? And I like decided to look that up just in case. And it was like, oh, for science, he did. Okay, yeah. Uh, and it's like like that kind of stuff. Where I'm like, if it's remotely like that, I'm just like, okay. But like, um, how do you use YouTube? Do you like let it recommend you things, really, or no? I honestly haven't ever been a really big user of YouTube. I have. Uh, been getting on it a lot more lately because it has so many good, um, you know, resources and tor- tutorials for people that are trying to learn a different kind of like DAW. Um, and I found that that's better for um, what I'm looking for. But like entertainment wise, I I'd never really have been big on it. I don't have my search history. Like it doesn't remember what videos I've looked at or like my stuff like is like for me that's like the best way to avoid getting weird recommendations because like it's like one step from like oh hey what's this this is is, uh this cat that sounds like it's singing to like (laughs) here's my critical race theory it's like okay don't know how that happened sir (laughs) please get out of here well, what annoys me with YouTube especially is if you look up a video on one subject, the next time you open it up, you'll have suggestions for about 12 other things on that subject. And it's like, it's almost like when I get on Amazon just to mindlessly browse and then the next time I get on there, they're like, oh, we think that you might like to look at these 15 different bidets. What? 
Well, it's probably good because um, that'll happen too when you're buying stuff. So it's like, oh, like you bought a bidet. Would you like another? And it's like <laughs> usually not. Usually I'm testing yeah. it out or I've only got like enough bathroom like one. Cleaning at the moment. Personally, um, I wouldn't have a bidet in like a. I would have that in like the master bathroom, not in like the guest bathroom, like confuse people, you know? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And then you have to have that uncomfortable discussion, which I guess if that's your thing, intentionally put one right in the living room and then just get it going as soon as people walk in the door. An open concept bidet? Yeah. Why not? Everything's art, right? Isn't that just church at that point? Like, the. Like... <laughs> And yet you somehow still feel more comfortable sending your kids. I mean, yeah, uh, just uh, but if you were wondering what you're listening to, bidet, uh, this is a tokusatsu podcast called Come Ride With Me, and uh, we're starting our fun summer series, which is we're looking at in a book club format, Common Rider Hibiki. Uh, no bidets in that, but it kind of would make sense if there was like one or two. I don't know. I feel like it would, yeah. Yeah, it's like a very natural way of like handling things. Back in the olden days when people would only... <laughs> they would only use the bathroom near like geysers and stuff. Well, it was a better time. Pretty sure that was the inspiration for a day, right? Geysers? Yeah, back in the day when they had to mick geyser up like some solutions to like keep clean back there. <laughs> but, uh, just, uh... <laughs> I just, uh, moving on, I guess. Uh, so there's a lot in picking something. Um, for me, I like introduced James Baker to Toku like, as like an anime fan and like a shonen fan of like, oh, here's some fun plots we could follow. Uh-huh. And for you, I was much more like, oh, like let's sample a lot of different kinds of things and like instead of like, let's follow a path. It was much more like, let's see the borders kind of thing. Yeah. So I'm wondering um, about like top level, like what we're doing with common Rider Hibiki as like our next show and like our like current thing. Um, um I actually am enjoying this just because it gives me um, like uh, more of an excuse. I feel like to kind of deep dive into the show since it's more of like a commitment that we're making to it, um, it feels like that gives me um, permission to invest a little bit more, I guess, emotionally or as an audience member with it also. So that's that was really uh, neat getting to experience that when I first started catching up on these episodes. Because you really liked Kamrata Kuga, mm-hmm. and that's one, and that's one that like you binge watched, right? Yes. Yes. There's something really special about um, what a lot of Toku and like especially the Kamen Rider like around this time is like. I really know that it's you're always nostalgic for like 15 years ago, but also like I really do enjoy the way that a lot of these shows of the time are like <laughs> these mass market things, but like they almost feel like it's before they've like had some edges sanded off or like some mm-hmm. like monetization put in. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely get the same idea with it. And um, I think that that's definitely something that always strikes me watching these shows is 
this is completely anecdotal. I don't have anything to back this up, but it seems like to me when I watch um, older Western shows that were popular, like when I was growing up, like Golden Girls and, and Roseanne and stuff like that, for the most part, they're pretty good, but there are definitely parts where you can see that they didn't age well. Um, not so much Golden Girls because they were always pretty progressive, but there were definitely some problematic things in a lot of the shows that if you look at them just for a nostalgia perspective, that that comes across as an issue. But with these, it doesn't seem like I've had that experience yet where it was anybody saying something that like wouldn't be acceptable now or, you know, things like that. It's an interesting thing. Um, I forget um, who is the creator of The Wire. I'm going to like tone of this. Okay. So like um, when David Simmons like talked about like The Wire, um, he mentions how like it's shot not in HD or in like 16 or in like 69 because um, he wanted it to look like the news. He wanted it to look like real life mm-hmm. and people's real life in 2002, 2005 like wasn't like that. It wasn't in HD like their locality, like their news, like their information about like the real world around them, like outside of like movies was in like four, three, like was in like SD. And like, I think um, there's something to like something that is trying to be of a time. Mm-hmm. And there's something really about these like uh, mid 2000 shows and that like really do feel of a time. Cause like the technology, like the clothing, right. <laughs> the places they go, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then every once in a while, there there will be some kind of reference or something extremely modern, and it almost kind of feels jolting because it's it's a reminder that yeah, this actually wasn't that long ago. It's just the localities that they use and the way that everything is shot, and you know, the music is usually fairly neutral, also. So it's not anything really um, contemporary. A lot, I guess. Yeah, um, and too, like, there's, like, a little bit, like, less special effects, like, which is fun, because, like, the tone of the world is a little bit, like, um, more grounded in, like, what they had in, like, their practical realm, like, versus, like, um, the post-effect, which, like, for me, that's always good, but, like, there's so many great touches that, like, come from being, like, a little more grounded in the practical, which is, um, at this point, like, these shows are, like, premiering in, like, January, and you can tell they're wearing big coats and everything. And like, um, one thing I missed was like how much Common Rider used to change with the seasons a little bit. Like, it's just less now. Like, you still see it a little bit, but um, like one of my favorite like fight scenes, like in like Common Rider is like, uh, in the series before this, like Common Rider Blade in like episode like two or three, um, the main character is like having a downhill fight in like a snowstorm like on like a, a, a like ski slope oh wow and like it's, it's like really awesome <laughs> like uh it's cool in a way where like a lot of like more generic like we're fighting at night or day mostly day really isn't you know right but sounds badass yeah um it's gonna be rough not to not to just say let's look at the mid 2000s copywriters all the time but uh <laughs> this show's cool too because it is just being filmed in different places because like of the conceit of like 
these monsters are like in nature and they haven't made it to like civilization like because they're not strong enough because like they're like still being hunted and like that does like change where like these like where like it's been filmed so far too you know right and and that i think is a lot of fun because not only are you you know getting all these gorgeous nature shots on top of everything but it feels like um when the characters have to travel from place to place and it's obviously you know some distance it kind of feels like it puts more tension into these um scenes where they're trying to get you know either to each other or to the monster or whatever the situation is um having it all be out there you know in the water and you know off of waterfalls and giant mountains and stuff like that it Mm -hmm. feels like it adds some real um tension there without having to really try that hard and i enjoyed that a lot too and i love how it's like they're going out to like hunt and like fight things and like research and they have tools mm-hmm. and um like just like this is a job this is like a material like addition that like these people are like living in that are like in this group and like that's cool to me than like oh we had like a bell ring in our like home base and then like like we like run out and like fight something like i like how it's like oh there's stuff here that's not explained but it's not new it's not novel this is like a like normal routine that's like life or death but also is like mundane too Mm -hmm. really like yeah and i like that i like how they kind of um really illustrate that uh without saying anything like there's no direct acknowledgement that this is just their life and how things go in their world but you can tell in like little simple touches, like how quickly they're able to set up their little campsite and how they always have things on hand that they're going to need. And they know how to make things for themselves out in the wild if they need to. Mm. And like, I love how um this show, like um this chunk that we did, like this, like eight episodes is like the opening arc. This is like the, we don't have a lot of the proper nouns or like the explanations for like what things are mm-hmm. until the end of this eight episodes. And that's really interesting. Cause like they totally do just kind of like have characters like talk past each other and like not quite know things and like be like, Oh, look at you. This It's like, Oh no. And like, it's fun for like getting like cool character interactions. Like, but also like it's a fun, like mystery without like being too much of like a big deal, like mystery you know yeah and it doesn't because it doesn't feel like you're missing out on anything by not having the information yet just because of the way that things kind of just play out so naturally and you know almost like you would expect them to in real life (laughs) just you know this not always having the clearest communication and you know um kind of having to figure out things and just go along with it while you do there's a point where um one of the two leads like Hasumu is like finding out that um his grades might not be good enough for the school he wants to get into the same way that he's finding out about like what's going on with common riders and it's like this for like really fun like you're like slightly disconnected from like the world is like you don't know everything, but it's not like it's like being hidden from you necessarily. 
Right. And I think that that really um, shows, at least with um, his struggle between school and um, figuring out what's going on with, you know, his new friend that he's met, that is um, played in such what I feel like is a realistic way. Him having to kind of struggle with all of these pressures at one time and at a couple of points getting so overwhelmed by it all that he just couldn't make any decisions or really do anything. Like those scenes of him just sprawled out in his bed looking lost. Um, definite, um, definite human um, emotions. And there's like not a lot of like children really in like a lot of Kamen Rider shows that are like centered like this. Like there might be like an odd like teenage character, but like very rarely are they important to the plot. And this is like so focused on like a like transitional time in a lot of people's lives. And like it's so great to like to see like uh, there's something else going on here, like both like from this formula, but also it's not like you're watching like Green Arrow in like a parking garage, like being upset because like somebody might have gotten a picture of his face. Like th- like these are like different tropes and like different stories too. And and relatable. I mean, at least from the um having to deal with school stressed aspect, even people who aren't currently dealing with it probably <laughs> still remember like being at the time in your childhood where you're slowly making that transition into adulthood and people expect you to already know what you want to be. Yeah, and uh just um I just love how non-cynical they are about um, who he is as, like, a teen, too. Because, like, I'm classically known for, like, thinking a lot of people write teen characters too immature. Like, like not like they aren't immature, but, like, they aren't as PG as people make them. Where it's like, no, this is not how a teen would talk a like teen would be much more of a shithead about certain things or like about most things i feel like yeah i was when i was a teenager but these characters do actually come across like very much like they're in earnest like dealing with their stuff without like seeming cynical too right yes and man it's so nice you know and kind of on along the same note but the fact that sometimes they all just um, have like these musical numbers together, mm-hmm. I just thought that that was the funniest, most fun way to just show all these uh, emotions that everybody was going through at the same time. It was just, it was adorable to me. I just loved those parts. Yeah. <laughs> Let's actually like use that like segue. The first episode, echoing Ani um, for like a. Um, this show um really does start with that just like Mm -hmm. and like it's like i'm so glad that like they don't undercut it all with a joke and let it be kind of lame because like being 14 or 13 Mm -hmm. it's kind of lame right yeah and like feeling things and like caring about things and being into things is kind of lame so it's cool (laughs) that that it's just kind of lame yeah which is unfortunate because that's also the time in your life where your emotions seem overwhelming (laughs) so to also be at the age where it's not cool to have them is really a struggle so yeah definitely loved that 
opening was a musical because then I kind of kept expecting it to happen throughout the rest of the episode. And then when it really didn't, I was like, huh, okay. <laughs> it's really at its most right there where it's like there's like um like people like um hammering wood, sawing wood, and like he's like going through like past like bells and like the like temple kind of stuff. Uh-huh. Very cool that like makes him seem like really in tune with like the world around him, which is like so funny because like at school we also see like he's kind of tuning out like his teachers and like other people and like life advice because he just wants to go to like a high school that has like a good band. Right. <laughs> which is great. Yeah, just- definitely. I, I, I from the beginning I liked his character a lot. So and um it's cool too that um I have only seen like the first couple episodes of like this show before like two or three times like trying to get into it mm-hmm. and like i'm like glad i waited till now because like i feel like you i couldn't really like appreciate it when i was like around that age or whatever right and uh man this looks good <laughs> like <laughs> like this version that we have like looks so much better than like what i found on like weird like drama websites like back then so these colors are great (laughs) (laughs) yeah Um, i really enjoyed it and like i said they did so many great camera shots just not only uh out in nature but through the towns and cities too it it really was just incredibly um well made i meant to ask um what do you think of like the before we actually get into like the show proper when it's like the opening card with like those like demon head drumsticks and like that theme song like oh yeah i liked it i mean it i uh it took me a little bit into the show to kind of figure out what um that was referencing obviously um but yeah once um (laughs) i started to understand that a little bit more than i i could i thought that it was really cool the way that they um did that opening and honestly uh it's just (laughs) i like it from the perspective of like we didn't really tell you what was going to happen. So like, just like, what's this? <laughs> like, what's going on here? <laughs> and I, I try to be fair about it. Whenever we do these, I don't, um, I don't look up anything. I, I literally wait until I watch the show and then take all my notes from there. Um, so yeah, it was, it was really cool. Yeah. This is a very different show. I hope that we get like another weird show like this and like the modern Rider at some point. Um, this is kind of compared to like Kamen Rider Amazon, like in like the seventies and like eighties shows. That was like the quote unquote like weird one of that generation because <laughs> um the ones before it were all themed after like bugs and like then comes in like Amazon who's like clearly a parada and is like biting and like scratching and it's like oh what's going on here? What are we doing? What's happening? <laughs> yeah, um, and I didn't even know yeah. that. So that's that's uh gonna give me like an extra level when i watch from now on to know that that's kind of a callback yeah once in a while they have like a like weird nature-based one that like does not use like normal attacks it's fun but um i really do also like something else like weird about this show like quote unquote um is that uh there's a lot of female characters just they're this show is mostly female characters like at the start and it's like not like they're in necessarily key roles or like the leads, but like there's lots of just like people in this like very slice of lifey like drama show, just like normal humans. 
but also like women too. <laughs> it's like a different vibe than like a lot of these shows goes for. Like there's not a lot of moms in superhero shows like to begin with, or like a lot of like teachers and or like at least like non antagonistic teachers too. Right. Yeah. And I, one thing that I really liked with what this show has done, at least so far, is that um, even when we have looked at shows um, where they have a mom character, she's usually pretty like flat as a character. Mm-hmm. Um, and in this one, his mom is just so high energy and at several points, really <laughs> funny. Um, and she's <laughs> kind of almost takes over the screen when she's on it. Um, and I really thought that that was neat because not only because I'm a mom myself and sometimes feel very one dimensional, but just because it's something that you don't see very often. So it was, I I like how, um, she was portrayed really well. Like there's like so many small things with like, um, her too, where it's like, Oh, she's like a single mom. Who's like, um, working as like, like airport or like a like taxi driver and like is just like super into all the hot dudes and is like oh, that yeah, one that scene. was the other thing yeah <laughs> like just the fact that she keeps like saying stuff like oh like he's really cute like he looks just like my like a strange husband to like all the common writers like you're super hot love seeing you just like great it- perfect <laughs> At one time, she was, like, actually swooning, which I found hilarious. Like, I I really did give a belly laugh at that scene. Um, And I wrote in my notes in very large letters, can we please get this woman a date? Because, wow. (laughs) Yeah, just... She's, like... She's so there for it, too. And, like, I love how, like, um... The... In, like, the first episode, like... The most 14-year-old thing in the world is to go back to your mom's hometown where she knows everybody and is super excited and you know nobody and there's nothing to do. Like, that is the most, that's the most energy, you know? I I swear. And who hasn't had that experience? It feels pretty universal, but, like, it's like the, like, um perfect way to like show discontent for like a teenage boy too just like oh i'm gonna carry these bags just like eat and like get like ask questions about my future and i'm like i'm 14 i've made plans yeah i i totally have this life thing figured out no don't worry about me (laughs) um what do you think of the like the scenes like on the boat though in that first episode with like i i loved meeting just from the facial expressions that pure joy at seeing the dolphins that was probably that one was of great. my favorite shots of anything ever um and i liked that uh what was the other note i had down here so right away um you could tell or to me anyways that this uh hero was uh, a little bit more of a um i guess a I cool guy doesn't seem like the way to say it, but compared to like <laughs> Kuga, he was. <laughs> but then, oh, really? I, I thought so because, but then as he starts to, you start to see more of his character, like the having a little song for everything and, and some of his more like dorky sides, I guess. <laughs> then I was like, okay, 
I, I maybe not. <laughs> I actually, um, when I was like first watching the show, I was like, maybe I should start like fucking my hand at people and like, and like saying like later or like maybe I'll say it like a Japanese and I'm like thankfully I didn't because that would have been like a teen blunder year ass thing to do, but um, <laughs> like. I totally remembered him being cool. And then I was like, oh, actually, like watching it with like a critical eye, I'd be like, oh, he's super not though. <laughs> like he's like <laughs> in shape and doing stuff and like fun and like a hero, but also like he's just like randomly singing for everything. Like he's not actually introduced like helping a kid like Kuga. Like he's like introduced like being a like he's being dopey and then like it's like he can save somebody and then that kid is like oh do it again do it again <laughs> yeah Which is great well it was just my first impression obviously too was just seeing him you know standing uh, that solo shot and he's got his leather jacket on and just for a second it looks like it's almost going to be like a james dean moment or something <laughs> and then he starts being himself and i was just like huh okay <laughs> also love how like that makes him no less cool though like to all the kids they're like oh he's super cool except he's not but he's super cool yeah and it kind of seems like to like almost everyone it seems like everybody that meets him on some level like falls madly in love with him immediately so (laughs) yeah maybe he's just really cool to a very specific set of people yeah that would make sense um I just, yeah, what a weird dude. But <laughs> yeah, and then he has that line where he says, "Just Hibiki," and I wrote in my notes, he's going for like the share or Madonna thing here. He just one name. That's it. That's all you get. That's all I am. Like that's a good one name uh, though. I can be. And um, the rest of like this like first arc though, were like a lot of fun because it's like um. The way that, like, <laughs> we see, like, Asabulu, like, get involved is, like, he, like, tries to leave dinner and, like, his older cousin's there with her car. They just, like, go out in this super 2005, like, small, like, car and just, like, accidentally meet him when he's, like, making, like, a new, like, drumstick. And it's just, like, a lot of, like, oh. Yeah, it's it's weird that this kid always knows where to find him. That's something that I put in my notes. I'm like, did, did he attach like a GPS tracker to Hibiki or something? Like, cause he just, he, he always knows how to find. <laughs> yeah, that is true. What do you think once we got like to like the first like actual like transformation scene or like, not, I, like fight scene? I really loved his costume first off. I thought it was really neat to look at. Um, it's a great look. Yeah. First monster, a little bit weird. Gotta say. Mm. <laughs> I expected it, but you know, to have the house around it was just a bit it was a lot. I do love how he's like spitting fire and has claws and he's like jumping around and doing like cool like positional things. Like he's very much like a different kind of like fighter for like his terrain too. Which is way more yeah. like interesting. <laughs> and um it's weird too how like He's mostly like he's mostly like dealing with like monsters, not like not like people size like it and like suits like 
his main thing is like making sure like the like big spiders and crabs are like taken care of, which is a different vibe entirely. Oh yeah, for sure. And I think that that definitely adds to the fun of it. Um, I found myself as the episodes went on um, trying to like guess or like have little bets with myself about what the next monster was going to be. Never won, but you know, it was a fun little game I had going there for a couple episodes. He's a really fun Witcher-like character, honestly. Like, the way that he's going out and preparing for things. And also, like, he's also not making money off of it, like, that same way. Like, he's not, like, engaged with, like, that community the same way. But, like, the way, like, he has to, like, go and prepare and try and, like, guess what he's fighting. That's a lot of fun. Yeah, and I like that they show him as a very real person that, like, has to train and has to be aware of his surroundings and has to be or familiarize himself as much as he can with what he's doing, as opposed to just like this overpowered superhero that doesn't really have to work that hard. And I think like um, there's like small touches, like he's painting and like carving his own drumstick. He like has moments where like the helmet comes off of his suit and he's still like in like that suit, which always is my favorite thing but like this show does it all the time and like it looks great (laughs) yeah i like that too and i i do love um that it shows him um at you know some weaker moments like that where the helmets come off and then all of a sudden you have to question like oh no now what (laughs) and like in like episode two um howling spider i love how like (laughs) He shows up and like they like immediately like party with him. We're like, oh, look, we love you. Like, Mr. Hibiki, this is great. And then like in the morning, he's like, I better go yeah. work on this drum sick. <laughs> it, it was very. Uh, well, I was kind of surprised that he had already left just because, of you know, it showed the scenery and how early it was and everything like that. But it made perfect sense. Like would have been kind of awkward. But the weird part was then this kid immediately dragging his mom off into the forest. Like, come on, guy. <laughs> I love how um, when Hibiki saves like Asumu, um, he does it by doing like a rider kick, except for it's just a kick. And then he pulls out like his drums and is like, here's what I do. That was a lot of fun. <laughs> like context clues or whatever. Yeah, I I loved that um that whole instrument fighting style i i thought that that was really neat um not just for him but then when you see the other guy in his suit and not to jump ahead too much but um and then pulls out his weapon and everything i was just like okay i i love this this is such a unique way to present these battle scenes i i thought it was really cool so um episode 3 falling voice and episode 4 um, um running itro are like more connected i think there's like less introduction but like it's like dealing with um the fallout of this um of um like how like asimo is like dealing with like being alive and like have a good normal life like after seeing all of this mm-hmm. and it's like also like another arc for like um like for like what's going on with like hippie and like um his monster notebook like I loved the small arc as far as just like them being separate the whole time too. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, I was going to say that I, I think it's right around, I believe to episode four 
where um, part of like the fun for me and the whole uh, story, like overall, was trying to figure out what his role in Hibiki's story was supposed to be, because he obviously was a, a big focus throughout the first episodes. So for them to not make that really clear, um, it it really added another layer to the show for me. Yeah, and uh, just like he's trying to like um like to focus on school, but he's just like looking at like nature books and like old trees and being like, "Oh, this is really relaxing." Uh-huh. And then like everyone else is like, "You're gonna fail. <laughs> You'll never get into the school. You're gonna live in a van down by the river, <laughs> and we won't be allowed to talk to you anymore. You're gonna leave society." <laughs> And like it's like not in these episodes, but at some point, like um Hibiki makes like a small comment that basically indicates that like he doesn't fit into society and that's why he's like an Audi. And that's kind of a lot like that's kind of like the whole show right there. That's kind of like, oh yeah, like this is also like a critique of society, like that like we see how stressed out like Ostromi is like we see like how like this cool like outside guy is also like in a constant struggle for like life and death which is like his way to be like a different kind of dude too it's like a fun critique too of like what standards we have you know oh yeah for sure and i think that if you know when you watch that and you start to gain that realization it makes it i think even more ludicrous how much pressure they're putting on such young kids to get these test grades and and all these uh you know applications taken care of and you know expected to have just this very clear cut idea of um what they are going to do you know later on in life it's just it really kind of uh clowns that in a really intense way yeah and it's like just like um let's in number grades like tell you how good you are right which is Go ahead and attack a, like, to your long trauma. Course. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. We're not going to pay for your therapy bills later. It's fine. No, not at all. Uh, and just, uh, um, I do like a lot of the side characters that we get to meet here, though. Like, I love um, Mochi, who, like, um, is like the like friend from, um, who's the friend from middle school that's like along for like a lot of these like small adventures in town. But also, like, there's this point where, like, um, Hibiki asks if, like, Super's like dating her, and then he's like, no. And then he's in his head about it for like the next like four episodes. Like, should I be? Do I want to? <laughs> uh, yeah, and, it, was, yeah. it was funny to me because at first I thought that that was going to be just another automatic, um, you know, they're definitely going to pair off. And then to kind of watch that like teenager struggle he had with it afterwards was very fun. Because she's like, very clearly also into him just like neither one of them are aware yeah what do you think of the sisters that run the like small like tea shop but also run support for like the like writers i really liked that a lot because my first thought when i saw them was oh god here we go i i knew it was going to be like something where you know they were maybe one of them was love struck over the writers or you know they were you know just like comedic side support or something like that. Um, and then to 
you know, continue watching and see just how integral to the the teamwork that they were, I thought was really neat. Um, they could have very easily let those characters go flat and they didn't. Like they have their own lives and motivations and ways that they are helping out with all of this craziness happening um out in the mountains. Yeah. Because like the fact that like um Kasumi goes out like in the field as like support and is making camp and like has like all these crates of different like disc animals. Um it's a lot of fun. Like just like she's there and she's part of it and like she's like running support. Right, right. Yeah. I I thought that was really cool. Her actor, um this is not right, but um Mayu Gamo um is in other Toku stuff and she actually has a lot a like really fun uh list of names. Um in Decker Ranger, which came out like a year before this, um, a like cop themed Super Sentai, which got turned into like a like cop themed Power Rangers. Um, she played the character, um, <laughs> Reversian Succubus Hell. Oh my goodness, now which is a great name, like a role, yes. <laughs> and then, um, after this, an Ultra Galaxy Mega Battle, can you guess what her name was? I cannot, I'm afraid to. Kate, oh. <laughs> Well, she really does have a wide acting range. I love how it goes from like reverse at succubus hell to Kate. I know. I wonder which one she's more proud of, honestly. I don't know. But <laughs> um I do love um that like second like Makamo too, like that like gigantic one that like steals people's throats and like amber and eats them and like has her voices come back. It's very creepy. There were actually a, a- couple of things that gave me a little bit of a, a creep feeling. <laughs> um, several of those uh, monsters, once they were revealed, I was like, ooh, ooh, I, I, I don't want any more to do with this. <laughs> and, like, there's a lot of people dying. There are, yeah. What's funny is, like, nobody has really picked up on that yet either. I mean, it's mentioned, like, in passing a couple of times, but... You know, you'd think there would be more attention to the fact that every time someone goes up on that mountain, they don't come back. And, like, they're, like, proactive, but they're also, like, reacting to, like, myths and legend and, like, police reports. Like, it's like, oh, like, let's stop it. But also, like, we know that, like, a couple pairs of people, like, are going to die. And, like, I think um, it's cool that this show about, like, how segmented and, like, perfectly planned the life of the teens has to be has so many people who were just chilling out and vibing like just like let's go hunting let's go fishing and like like it's like oh all these people just like did their shit and now they get to like uh go out and like have fun and like have like unstructured time yeah like i a, found that weird too, because you can see like when you see um not just the teenagers, but like the people in town all seem to have like this very rigid structure to how things are supposed to be. And then, you know, they'll cut to a shot of a couple hiking through the woods on a Tuesday afternoon. Like what? Yeah. Where is your business suit, sir? And like, maybe that's like, um, just to make the point of like the city versus nature kind of thing. But like, even then, like, it's like, it, like, it's like, it is kind of saying like, Hey, this does not, necessarily matter how well you do in high school as long as you like do find time for things that like you like you're like to go places later once you're like from that obligation but yeah um 
I do like the big fight scene though in the water. That was a lot of fun. Yeah, for sure. And um definitely wasn't expecting that. I don't think I've ever seen a, a fight scene done quite that way before. So that definitely added some entertainment value to it. Cause there's points like where it's like clearly like an action figure like on top of like a like mannequin and stuff, but it's still like <laughs> it still looks good. <laughs> I like it. Yeah, I do too. And I I tend to um not really take note of things like that anyway because it, it kind of breaks my immersion so it, it it's easy enough for me to overlook and i don't need a lot of big you know flashy graphics anyway and like two other things uh from this episode one is that um there's this great scene where um i assume his mom meets like hibiki and like kasumi and they're both um just like at this like gas station and um they just immediately start like high fiving and dancing and saying, "Hey, what's up? Like we're neighbors. Oh, it's great to see you." And then like <laughs> when they have to leave because like Hibiki knows he shouldn't have let like his like disguise slip and like his like identity out. Um, <laughs> she's so worried. Like, oh, like am I a bother? Like, oh, they were clearly dating. Like, she's so beautiful. Like, are you like married? there's like a lot of like weird fun like character stuff like that yeah for sure and you know once again especially with her character i mean she just i i really do think that i would light up every time they showed something with her because she just she was so much fun not just to watch but the way that people interacted with her um but yeah that was definitely a hilarious scene just because when it started to veer into that territory that's immediately both of them were like okay no we gotta go sorry yeah i love how um <laughs> the scene where like Asumu sees like this old like this old guy save this child from like getting like hit by a bike so he's like i better follow him he probably knows hibiki and just stalks this dude through like town with his friend i know it was so weird but i mean i had already kind of uh gotten weirded out by how in love with Hibiki he seemed to be that I was just like okay yeah now he's just following random adults around town this 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 is what we do here yeah yeah um and what do you think of the, like the like ending theme like the way they like shoot that every time oh uh, with the closing credits you mean uh yeah uh, first off really love that song um it's a great song <laughs> <laughs> second off the um one of the notes that i did make and i was going to ask you is just because i've only ever watched this in kuga um is it kind of like the standard in the common writer series to make the main hero be kind of like this lonely character i mean um i think that that is something that is core to the original concept of Kamen Rider, mm. where you have stuff like, uh, oh, um, you're masked, and, like, you're, like, a rider, like, you're going through stuff, and, like, you're, like, this, like, transient figure, and um, that's something that's kind of been lessened by how many Kamen Rider are in, like, current shows, and, like, how they're, like, a little bit, like, more going on with, like, support stuff. Um, I think that some of my favorite shows definitely do that, or, mm. like, harken back to that in interesting ways, but, um, it's one of those things where, like, I want to say yes and I wish it was yes, but, like, uh, it, it does get, like, a little bit less in, like, 
more recent shows. But like at, at this time, yes. Gotcha. Pretty lonely. Makes sense. I mean, I, the shots that they used for that were gorgeous. And like I said, I loved the song, but it just because it was something that I had picked up on with Kuga also, I wondered if that was just like their main trope, which I would understand. I mean, almost always when you've got these types of situations and even they even did it in Batman. I mean, how many times did he fall in love in one movie and then have to fall in love all over again the next one? Kuga and Hibiki have a lot in common, I think. Like they should like something like how they represent like nature and sky and like do look a little bit more with um the main character that like does like definitely mirror each other. Yeah, I could see that for sure. So in like episode five, like Melting Sea and like episode six, um Beating Soul. I really love these episodes for expanding the lore because like the basic like premise here is like, oh, um, we're hearing more about like um, what's going on. We hear that like one of the Ani has been defeated, which we haven't met them yet. I mean, what's going on? And also that like their schedule is getting more intense and they have to work more. And like Hippie says, like, it feels like they're getting stronger and we see like the like crab have like a counter attack to like his finisher. Mm-hmm. And like, he's like, Oh, like I'm not the right kind of Ani for this. Like a different type would usually go all very cool. Yeah. Um, I liked that. Um, I like that you could definitely feel that things were ramping up. We're starting to get to a point where they're going to have to um, really, pay attention to everything that's happening because this is getting worse. But I hated this monster so much. There were really? so many things about it that creeped me the hell out. The, yeah, uh, that foam. The foot ropes? No. We oh, that's the next one. Oh, is it? Okay, yeah, I'm getting ahead of myself. My bad. So actually, no, it wasn't this monster it's that verified me. It's the next one. Oh, <laughs> no, yeah. the crab didn't bother me. Yeah. Oh, sorry. I was just going to say the costume at first, I was a little distressed by it. Uh, Afterwards, it it grew on me. I like how there's like this stop motion, like part of these is like creatures too, where it's like, oh, like they're being made to seem like they don't fit in the world in like a really cool way where it's like, oh, like this is not like a clean effect, which like to me almost helps more because there's like weird mouth close ups and like there's like foam coming out of it and there's like this like weird shaking on the model yeah yeah i think that the effect of something looking um out of place with the world uh, but especially because of like jarring movement is always a really good way to kind of give the uh the bad guy a little bit of extra like i don't want to be seeing this right now um, and they, they played that really well with this monster, I thought. And like I um one trope from the show that like continues forward is like the like support robot thing of like um things like the disc animals, but like I think here they're used the best of any show I've seen, just how they're like hunting down and finding things, like drawing it out. Like it's really cool because they're just like, oh <laughs> like they're part of your toolkit like as a professional, you know? Yeah, for sure. And but I like also that it's they're constant. I feel like in shows like this, it's easy to kind of 
see something that you think is really cool and then never see it in the series again. Um, but with these, it, there's something that both writers use, we find out, um, and in different ways, which the fact that there's such a, a wide selection of them also makes it really neat in my perspective because you can kind of cover just about any terrain you need to. And the way that um, in the first episode of like these, um, he just throws three animals and then like one shots the like um the hemi um or like the like female parent is like really cool it's like oh like very batman stuff um what do you actually think of like um the recurring actors playing the parents but with like different powers and forms different i'm sorry what now uh the um like parents for the giant monsters are played by the same actors and like the male actor is like voicing the mom and the female actor is like voicing the like father and like they're like fostering okay. like the like larger monsters. Okay. So first off, that clarifies something I was confused about. So I'm I'm glad that you explained that to me. When they kept calling it their child, I thought that it was more of like a um like a like a keeper thing, like a guardian. So or like they were protecting that monster in that part of the forest. I didn't know sure. they were the same characters every time, uh, but I just assumed it was because they like just had different monster babies in the forest. So I think each parrot is like different. Like it's not like it's the same dad showing up again and again. So like there's something there. I don't know if they're actually giving birth to these monsters anyway. I really don't know. Yeah, because it, I also kind of questioned whether or not they were also monsters of some kind. I mean, I guess technically they'd have to be, unless it's like a wizardry situation. But yeah, that's their characters don't have enough context yet. <laughs> Which is fun, because like, they're recurring antagonists, but also they're clearly dying. So what's going on? Why are there so many of them? Right. <laughs> and um, we hear from... Hinaka, like the like um younger like um like sister uh that um her dad has been off lately and it has been off before and there's stuff like there's not enough new like Ani trainers like it's like oh they aren't getting new people the monsters are stronger they're not following patterns there's more of them like it's a really fun build <laughs> to like oh this is like getting bad this is getting ominous yeah but and to do it like so slowly but in all these little parts as opposed to just you know having somebody come running you know down the hallway screaming that it's an emergency and we have to take care of it now it's just this really gradual build up just with bits of information like that coming out slowly like yeah you find it in pieces through the show we're getting hurt more and like we're like fighting stronger things and um it's like interesting because um they're very shocked when they hear that like Zanky got hurt. Like they're like, Oh, what? Right. Hurt? I have one note here that is, um, she says another one looks just like my ex husband. And then note, she used to throw ass back in the day. And <laughs> I think that's true. <laughs> I think she's like a total scout for the hot boys. And it's great. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's the best note. I'm sorry. <laughs> I mean, it's yeah, true. I have to agree with you. You don't. You don't be 
that much fun without like being that much fun back in the day. Yeah, um, yeah, you don't grow into it if you were always like a really straight and narrow, prim and proper person. I feel like she she definitely was a bit of a party animal. And the show is like also kind of horny too. There's that like scene where um, Hippie says like the, the like monster moms are cute and then gets like slapped for it, like that kind of stuff. <laughs> yeah, crabs aren't unusual this time of year. And the monsters are like growing faster lately. Also more ominous stuff. Yeah, that because I actually it seems like they mentioned that the monsters were growing growing more quickly more than once. Um, so I'm hoping that like maybe later on in the show, um we can kind of get a sense of like is this something that happens every couple of years? Like, what is their context for growing more quickly and, and um, you know, eventually figuring out what's causing it? And I love how um, his drum pad gets, like, destroyed. He gets, like, really badly hurt and, like, burned up. It's like, I love seeing when they have, like, suits that get damaged. That's something that, like, Kuga does a lot. And, like, I wish more shows did. But, like, I love that he's, like, actively really hurt here. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Once again, it adds that human element. And then, you know, between that and showing him, like, actually physically training, you get the very real sense that, you know, this is a human person who has just decided to take on an extraordinary um, place in in life. Uh, And he he doesn't come by it, like, naturally. He, He has to deal with the ups and downs that are associated with that. And like here we get like um a lot of like Asumu like training like harder, but also like trying to see Hibiki and like trying to like meet him and like it's where um he meets like um Hibuki, who is like a really fun character too, because he's like an airhead, but also like there's no antagonism between him and Hibiki, despite the fact that he's like clearly into like Kasumi too and like this is like before like he's been a writer yet but it's like a lot of just like he just like assumes and like he like has this whole thing where he like brings Asumu out to meet Hibiki and says like oh like I brought your apprentice they're like oh what who huh like just like this whole like, little thing <laughs> yeah and it, I didn't understand the apprentice thing either until uh, I think the next show mm-hmm. when you get context for it and it, it's something that I think maybe they had like mentioned in one of the earlier shows, but like in a really brushed off way. So it's this, this show is really good for uh, leaving you breadcrumbs. I, I will say that. Yeah. Like what's a Makubo? What's the Keshi? Why are they evolving to like counter Adi? What's going on? Exactly. Yeah. And in the fact that it's like a slow burn, instead of just throwing all this information at you at once, like some shows and or movies tend to do um it makes it extremely easy to stay engaged with the series yeah and um that brings us to the next episode like um episode seven exhaling ani episode eight howling wind so i love the start of this arc where we see them like looking to see if they got into school I did too. Uh, that it was completely unexpected because you had almost been enmeshed in all this uh, fighting and monster stuff for the past couple episodes. So to have that and to have it be something that they portrayed so 
in such a sweet but realistic way, mm-hmm. just showing, you know, everybody's anticipation and excitement and that, like, slow burn to where you get to see if, you know, he made it or in or not. Um, and then just, once again, the way that they portrayed that just absolute joy of all of them getting what they wanted was just a really, really great way to open up the the show. Yeah, more musical scenes. Like, they, like, slide, like, risky business to, like, meet their teacher, who's, like dressed like she's gonna be really stirred but she's actually like a really sweet character like i love that like they took the markers of like a character who like had like a lesser show would just be treated like oh like it's that bitchy teacher like mm-hmm. she's actually like there for them and like a normal person you know yeah and it doesn't have so far yeah <laughs> i think um for like <laughs> male Any relationships Hibiki so far has done a good and maybe the only job I've seen in the cop rider of not seeming like it's primarily a ship. Like maybe it's like just because like they're all hot men in like weird fashion, <laughs> but like, <laughs> a, like it, it and like Kuka, for example, like there's massive shipping vibes there, like between like those two leads too, you know? Oh yeah. I, I, I didn't even, um, think that that would be a questionable opinion when I watched that show. I feel like that was just something that people knew. <laughs> I think it's pretty obvious, but hey, uh, there's people <laughs> mad that Blue's Clues has like a pride parade in like our murder fandom. So I was <laughs> not going to go into that, but just I like that they were able to keep this a very fun, intimate relationship without at all intimidating any kind of shipping like aspect of it, which could easily have been the case you know yeah um and i love how he's trading in the mountains too like hibiki and like his like 2005 drip that like puma tracksuit those backpacks <laughs> i liked that and i liked that adorable relationship that he had with the uh the older lady up there that was taking care of him <laughs> she just it, it was such a sweet uh thing to watch anyway but just the way that you know she is very invested in him and you know what's going on with his life i i thought that that was just adorable and he's like constantly like touching his like muscles and be like oh yeah like doing real good getting real swole like here's some food <laughs> and um yeah just that point though where um we see a picture of um Hibiki Kasumi, that old lady, and then like a couple with a baby, and there's like somebody else there, I think. And I just like, oh shit, <laughs> like he's transformed. He has his like face out, like, what's going on? Like, there's like some real history there where like she's been like part of something or like part of some like relationship too. Right. Like. Yeah. And that's just going to be another one that I think that um, hopefully with patience we'll get rewarded with that story. Totally. Um, and sometimes with patience is what it takes to make lemons and lemonade or to make people into human juice. <laughs> I, just lo- I just love how they have long legs and they squeeze people. That's uh, the squeezing I thought was bad enough, but the fact that they said the words human juice and then said it yeah. again. I oh, oh, oh. <laughs> I wrote that Ani don't really have this on lock. People getting squeezed all the time, which I think is true. 
you, you captured it. That's it. <laughs> and um, this isn't a job for like Hibiki though. Like he's like multiple times says, "Oh yeah, like I'd be like pretty useless or like on the sidelines or like not really like helping here." And um, we get to see like what Ibuki's all about, and um, he's got like a cool motorcycle with a holster for his disc animals. He's like got his whole like also 2005 drip going on like as he's like starting his hunt and um it's a fun contrast but also like i like how there's like really no animosity or like friction between him and like hibiki at all yeah and you'd almost expect there to be yeah <laughs> like they're both clearly into like the same woman but also like they're like not at all like the most we see so far is like hibiki's kind of upset that like <laughs> He's like the goofus to the gallant where it's like, oh, uh, I guess he is younger than me and I guess he does have an apprentice, but I'm the bad boy of Kamen Rider. I don't need an apprentice. I don't need to be young. <laughs> I'm still pretty young. Uh, uh, i still got time to sow my wild oats. And the weirdest thing that probably happens besides like the human juice is that like we see like Asubu like <laughs> go on a three hour train ride to go and meet Hiviki and then fall asleep. Yeah. <laughs> and when we get like a small scene of like a pregnant lady gets on the train, but like before he can do anything, like a strange girl who looks like everybody who's ever had a crush on the girl when they're 14 year olds crush, like gives her seat to the, like that lady. Right. And like she does look like maybe it's just like her soaking and her hat, but like she does to me look like a like. <laughs> universal like 14 year old crush i don't know yeah 100 percent. i i that was one of the first thing i thought i was like well this is gonna get good <laughs> yeah her name is akira um she's both the support and the apprentice for hibuki and um this arc's like kind of about like her and like asumu like more than like it's about like the rest going on because like, she's very much, like, how the person who, like, is in, like, fifth grade thinks they're so much smarter than the person in, like, fourth grade kind of thing, where it's just like, oh, like, I know more than you, and I have, like, this little whistle, and I'm, like, trusting this, and I got my cool stuff, and, like, I'm so much smarter than you, so much better than you, and she's, like, so pissed that he's there, because he's, like, just a little bit less informed than her, basically, so, like, that means that, like, she really has to, like, show off, you know? <laughs> yeah, what is it she says? All he does is eat, snore, and get sick or something like that. I can't remember yeah. what it was. But it, she just, she is so no-nonsense and just completely over this shit. It, it was just, it was incredible to watch. Yeah. And she's so proud when she shows that, like, she has like her own like whistle like henchin device and stuff and it's like oh yeah and um that that one scene though where the snake the snake disc animal crawls up his leg and she reaches in there and grabs that i was like okay yeah me and that was uh very <laughs> this is trouble this is the real troubling shit for like asubo and like <laughs> you know later on but just uh what do you think about like the monster itself though and like actually seeing like how like he fights like uh for like Ibiki. So with this one, uh, at first I I 
couldn't believe this idea that um, it, they scared it out with a bunch of snakes. Like, yeah. because it was such a big monster. And I get that there was a lot of those little snakes everywhere, but it just, I, I don't know. It's that seemed very silly. Um, but then the way that it fought, I, that was such an interesting battle scene because the style between Abuki um, and uh, Hibiki are so different. Mm-hmm. And the way that they approach their battles, um, you know, that just was really fun to see. And I love how it's like, makes it clear too, like why there's different instrument users and like they like make reference to like string users like later on, like might like show up and it's like, okay, like this is a different kind of thing. I could see why Hibiki wouldn't really be relevant in this fight. Right. Yeah. And, and I think that that probably also maybe gives you an idea of the reason why there isn't really a rivalry between them because it's more of like a, well, you know, if I needed something hit with drumstick, he could come do it. And also, like, they're both probably, like, covering shifts they shouldn't be doing, like, with, like, their new schedule of, like, every one week to every three weeks. That's a lot. <laughs> That's a big difference. And if, like, there's people getting hurt, which they will. Yeah. Less time to play video games, less time to do anything. So, yeah. And um, I do actually really love how um, when, like, um, we see, like, a super get, like, Lost of the Woods. His mom just like at home with like a big dinner and is like, oh, okay. I guess like he has to be like independent and like do stuff. But she's clearly upset about it too. And then doesn't she go around and say that to like three or four other people too? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, lady, calm down. This, this is why you need to start dating. Also, like her son didn't tell her where he was until like nine o'clock at night and is three hours away. And yeah. He's like 14. That, was, that is a little much. I, I, that was going to bother me had they not called her. Because I yeah. always hate those situations in TV shows because I, I know how I would be reacting. So uh, that I'm glad that they covered that. <laughs> There's something to the way that Ani and like Ogre like are used in Japanese like pop culture that's interesting to me. I don't really have it completely on lock, but like it's almost like um <clears throat> There's a recognition that there's like the world of people and like the right way you're supposed to act, but like that there's something about being like an ogre, like being like an Ani, like being like troublemaking or like m- mischievous is like a part of being like a real actualized person. Like it's like not like a fully fo- formed thought, but like these are like demons from like their cultural history turned into heroes mm-hmm. or like they're heroes but they're still like not perfect in a way too like that like it makes me think like there's something being said about like masculinity or just like growing up or being a person like that like a little bit of like toxicity like not like toxicity but like a little bit of like wrong is right or necessary to be a person mm-hmm. you know yeah almost in a way of taking that pressure off of perfection <laughs> mm, yeah though so, um I do love how um, when you see like um, everything that gets blown up by like Hibuki gets turned into like flower petals like in the wind too, which is a lot of fun. Yeah, I really like that. That is such a nice little touch. <laughs> he shoots it, but then he like turns his gun into a trumpet and like makes yeah. the bullets like resonate and explode. Yes, that's right. And I actually wrote a note about that. I called it the trumpet hurricane. But yes, that was probably the coolest thing I've seen in a long time. It's so intricate and it like seems like it's based on the weapon and it's like cool. But it's also like there's somebody who thought about like 
like what would a cool instrument based like finisher and like system look like just like made it which is a lot of fun yeah definitely and something that was at least from my perspective super creative it like with the drum thing it kind of lends itself to what you're is gonna happen <laughs> like when you fight with it but this was just it was unexpected completely so i loved it yeah um and we are at the end of our episodes which means we should do a little ranking right now cool, um, cool, cool. who are our top three characters and who are our top one monster design um top three characters definitely got to go with mom yeah okay um let me think uh akira okay and i'm gonna have to go with i i'm tempted to say his friend that keeps giving him a hard time but i won't do that to him that's katsuo that's yes the one that's just like oh you're dumb um <laughs> um see i said the mom in akira and the uh his boss that would be Ichiro Ichiro yes the old man I I love okay. that bit of like playfulness and mischief he has himself so <laughs> okay uh then I'm gonna say mine I'm gonna say probably Mrs. Nagadachi like the mom mm -hmm. um I'm probably gonna say Hibiki and then I'm gonna say Hinaka the younger sister uh yeah I could see that she's a very fun she like <laughs> is the most younger sister like to like the point of being like a noble gas honestly like it's kind of wild yeah yeah <laughs> yeah and i like how she she is you know little silly little out there but you can tell that she she cares about the people around her and and i always like seeing that in characters what was your favorite monster design that we got like between like the giant monsters like the parrots can i tell you what i named them Yes. I know that they probably already have names, but I they do. Named but I'm not gonna them. try and name them. <laughs> I named them House Spider. Okay. Because I'm creative. Loves red to dance. Lobster special. Because Lobster Special. Heck yeah, Red Lobster. And three I named the Manta Bird in parentheses that scared of small danger noodles. And the giant is just like a giant. Yeah, just giant. It's like calling a dog dog. <laughs> Who is your favorite? Uh, favorite? I'm going to have to go with House Spider. Okay. I thought that that was a really, really neat way to do that monster. And, you know, I'm, I'm not someone that uh, is arachnophobic, but I know that there are a lot of people who are. And imagining their faces when that thing popped up on screen just made me laugh so hard. I, I couldn't, couldn't not pick it. I'm going to go with the giant enemy crab. Attack the weak point for massive damage. Have to do that. Mm -hmm. um, I we could nickname it like a uh, cheddar biscuits for how it go. I'm like foaming at the mouth for it, but yeah, so it's a good ricking there. And uh, with that in mind, I guess Steph, uh, where do people find you when you're not talking about Tokusatsu? Oh, um, you can find me on Twitter at uh, Hatsis. You can find me on Instagram at Nobody Much, um, and my friend and I are still uh, working on the website for our podcasts, but I will be sharing that once we get through all that. It's just been a timing issue for us lately. So, no, oh, yeah, that's the worst part of a podcast uh, is launching it. 
I had no idea, and now I do, and I have to agree with you. <laughs> no, it's like the kind of thing where sometimes just like just rip the bandaid off. <laughs> but I know, I and it, it feels like we keep like hitting these milestones that I said, okay, well, once we're here, I'll start publishing. And but every time we do, I'm like, no, there's still more work to do. This is impossible. You definitely like learn to actually make it work, though, when you pick a point, because like. Th- there's always perfection and like you actually grow once you have put something out there. I like, cause like even if you've gotten no feedback and you're recording before the like first episode, like is like set to publish, it still matters. It still matters. But yeah. And that's what we've done. We've got, um, two down so far. I wanted to have, um, just a couple in the chamber in case of anything. Um, and then, but I did, after um, you and I talked about it, I did go with a distributor that you mentioned. I already signed up for them, and we have the oh, awesome. campaign. Um, we just, like I said, we haven't been able to get together and link up to put in the work on getting things functional quite yet. Yeah. Um, but no, I'm very excited to listen to that. What is that? Like, like um, that is like RK Belisha. And uh, when you're... Uh, me and you're not talking about who's out to though you can look at uh Twitter com at james forge then for the podcast there is copyrightforme.com which um has some articles has uh links to our episodes at copyrightforme.com slash episodes there's our merch at copyrightforme.com slash merch there is uh questions to podcast at common writers me we would love to hear your favorite characters monsters questions statements like thoughts and episodes and uh, at the end, we will be taking people's favorite characters and monsters and like reading those aloud. Maybe we can uh, set up like a bracket and we can put that on the website. Ooh, that'll be fun. Yeah. Yeah, bracket. And um, on Twitter and Instagram at Common Ride with Me. But uh, for now, um, we are well trained. And we're only going to get better. <laughs>